What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you for making me part of your week. In this upcoming episode, we got a lot going on. We're going to talk Bills. We're going to talk UB Bulls football and... We're going to talk UB Bulls basketball. We have a packed show, so stick around and let's have some fun. Before we start this podcast, I want to take a quick time out to say thank you to everyone who has listened to me and continues to listen to me on a weekly basis. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, I want you to share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or anybody you know that enjoys sports talk about Buffalo. Let them know that they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course on Anchor. If you want to contact me at all, you can get at me at my email, which is sportstalkbuffalo at yahoo.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at sportstalkbuff1. That's sportstalkbuff1 on Twitter to find out the latest news and notes from the show, and also my opinions on a lot of the things that are going on in and around sports in general. Again, thank you all for listening, so let's keep this podcast growing and keep the ball rolling. So if you're ready, let's jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, I didn't get a chance to talk about this in the last podcast as I put it out before the Bills played on Sunday Night Football, but the Buffalo Bills are in the playoffs again. You heard that right. The Bills are in the playoffs again for the second time in three years. This seems like a fantasy considering for the last 19 or so years, the Buffalo Bills hadn't been in the, or the 17 years, I'm sorry, the Bills had not been in the playoffs. It is almost like a dream come true. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have done a tremendous job with the Buffalo Bills and this organization overall. I want to talk a little bit about the Steelers game before we jump into the New England Patriots game. The Bills, as I said, back in the playoffs for the second time in three years. It is their first 10-win season in 20 years. In the last game against the Steelers, the Buffalo Bills defense felt disrespected by Devlin Hodges, Duck Hodges, as he said that it is just another defense that he's playing against. Again, they felt a little disrespected, so what did they do? They went out, got pressure in his face all game long, allowed just 10 points. They had four sacks, as I said, a ton of pressure, and they picked him off an astounding four times. Two times by Trey White and two times on the final two drives to cap it off for the Buffalo Bills to win their 10th game double-digit wins again the first time in 20 years. That is an incredible feat for this Buffalo Bills team. As you know, before the season started, I said the Bills would go 8-8 eight and eight, and that I wouldn't believe the Bills would go uh, over anything over 10 wins unless I seen it firsthand. Now, on the last time I predicted the Bills, I predicted they would go 11-5, and five, 
And if they beat the uh, New York Jets in the final week of the season, I don't know how many starters are going to play as it won't mean anything for the Buffalo Bills. But if they beat the New York Jets in the final game of the season, they will be 11-5. and And my prediction will be correct. Although, there are some games that I predicted that went a different way. Nonetheless, 10-5 and five the Bills are right now. Even if they end the season 10-6, and six, that is a tremendous season considering the Bills have a second-year starting quarterback in Josh Allen. He has made tremendous strides this year. Still has a long way to go, but he has made a ton of strides. He did struggle against the Steelers' defense, but he made plays, enough plays, to win the game as he has been called on to do all season long. He has not been told that he has to win games, but to just make enough plays that his team can keep them in it and make enough plays to win the games. Now, as I said, the Bills won 17-10 against the Pittsburgh Steelers, keeping them kind of in the hunt to possibly win the AFC East. And this week was the Bills got flexed again. Uh, Earlier in the season, the Bills got flexed uh, from Sunday to Saturday to play the New England Patriots, and this game did not disappoint. The Buffalo Bills played well against the Patriots in this one again. They held close again, but they just didn't play well enough on defense for the the Bills. I don't want to call them an inept offense, but they're, they're below average offense, if you will. Uh, they didn't weren't able to make enough plays to overcome the the defense the defensive woes in this game. Now, like I said, the defense gave up a lot of yards in this game. Tom Brady was twenty six of thirty three for two hundred and seventy one yards and one touchdown. He also carried the ball four times for four yards. That's very Brady esque right there. Uh, the Bills also gave up a hundred and forty three rushing yards and one touchdown. Sony Michelle carried the ball 21 times for 96 yards. Rex Burkhead had the lone touchdown on the ground for the Patriots. He also had 20 yards on the ground. But the big thing that Rex, Burk- Rex Burkhead did do is he caught the ball well out of the backfield. He had five receptions for 77 yards. He was the Patriots' leading receiver. Edelman came in second with 72 yards, I do believe. Josh Allen was hit or miss all night long. It seemed like maybe he was going to make be able to make enough plays for the Bills to be able to uh, stay close, keep this a, a good ball game, which they did. Uh, however, down the stretch, just wasn't able to make enough plays for the Bills to win the game. Josh Allen in this one was 13 of 26, which is putrid, honestly, for 208 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He had 7 carries for 43 yards. That is a very Josh Allen-esque game. If he completes 2 or 3 or more of those, the the completion percentage doesn't look so bad, but 50% is pretty bad in the NFL. Singletary in this one was ineffective for the first time so far in his young career. In this season, he had 15 carries for just 46 yards. He averaged just 3.1 yards a carry. Cole Beasley was the main target as he gashed the New England Patriots defense time and again. He caught seven passes for 108 yards, 15.4 yards per catch. Uh, The lone or one of the touchdowns that the wide receivers caught was not from Cole Beasley. 
It was the lone catch from John Brown, who beat Stephon Gilmore deep. He beat double coverage. He split double coverage, caught one pass for 53 yards and a touchdown. It was a big touchdown as it gave the Bills a 17-10 lead uh, early in the first half. Also, a fantastic play design uh, for the Buffalo Bills. They go for it. They don't have a timeout. They go for it. It's 10-3 at this point. Six seconds left in the first half. Again, the Bills do not have a timeout. It is second and goal. Their first pass was incomplete. Only took two or three seconds off the clock. They go for it again. Uh, Allen rolls to his right. Deion Dawkins slips out left past the defensive end and in for the easy touchdown. Now, I call it easy, but if you watch the replay, it looked like Deion Dawkins wasn't quite sure. He almost dropped that pass, and he would have been kicking himself if he let that opportunity slip by, but he didn't. He made a play, uh, caught the ball, and it was 10-10 going into the half. A tremendous play call and a tremendous play. Great execution by the Buffalo Bills for them to tie the game up at 10 going into half, and it gave them the momentum, and it showed uh, early in the second half, I believe, when the Bills went up 17-10. However, the Patriots did with the Patriots, or 17-13, I'm sorry. The Patriots did what the Patriots do. They came or marched right back down the field. They scored a touchdown, got a two-point conversion, and they were up by a uh, touchdown score of 24-17. to Now that that uh, two-point conversion could have been huge. Uh, coming down towards the last part of the game, the Bills simply could not stop Tom Brady from marching his team down the field. That is what makes Tom Brady so great, is that when faced with adversity, he seems to play his best football. Now, in this game, they had Tom Brady frustrated. They hit him a lot. He threw a punch at uh, at Oliver, I'm sorry, after he got after Oliver Lamb basted him down near the goal line. He tried to trip uh, at Oliver early in the first half um you know he got away with a an intentional grounding of course uh, Tom Brady is the goat he's always 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 going to get those calls and it's really unfortunate I would like to think that just because a player is a really talented player and has been for a long time that you know the rules don't have to necessarily bend to his will but they inevitably always seem to do against the Buffalo Bills he had a horrible intentional grounding the receiver was nowhere near the pass and of course they don't throw the flag because it's Tom Brady well Tom Brady got hit anyway and he didn't seem to like that very much as the Bills knocked him around a little bit in this game but alas it wasn't enough as Tom Brady does just enough for his team to squeak out the 24 to 17 victory in Foxborough again the Bills did a a very commendable job they just don't have enough playmakers on offense to really break games wide open. And it, nothing was more evident as the game came down to a fourth and goal from the 15 or 20, I believe, uh, the 15 or 20 yard line. Josh Allen had to roll to his right and throw it up to a receiver. Unfortunately, the Buffalo Bills don't have a receiver that is over six feet tall. And he threw it up to Cole Beasley and it was easily batted down. Now, I know players have been calling for Duke Williams over and over and over again. They say, uh, you know, he maybe he hasn't looked that good. There's a reason why they're not playing him. But guess what? These are the situations that he is invaluable. He is six foot, I believe he's six foot two or six foot three. He's 235 pounds and he 
catches contested passes. He catches jump balls, essentially. He would be able to give Josh Allen that target late in a game where if Josh Allen just throws the ball up, he can make a play and come down with it. That is what he did in training camp. That is what he did in the preseason. And, you know, he's not really been given much of an opportunity to do that in the regular season so far for the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, the season is essentially over. There's one more game and then the playoffs. It looks like the Bills are going to roll with what they've got. And you see that there is a glaring need for a wide receiver, a bigger wide receiver in this Buffalo Bills offense. Also, a need for the Buffalo Bills is interior defense as the Patriots didn't run east-west in in a lot of, you know, uh, side-to-side plays. They ran it straight up the middle multiple times against this Buffalo Bills team, and they were able to uh, gain good chunks of yards just about every time they ran at the interior of this defense. Now, the Bills had several chances to make tackles in the hole, couldn't make tackles against Sonny Michel, and he was able to break it for five, six yards uh, continuously all game long. He didn't necessarily break a lot of big runs, but Five and six yards on first down is all you really need. It gets you ahead of the chains and really sets you up to continue drives over and over again and drive down the field. Like I said, in this game, Josh Allen just wasn't, I mean, he was, he was okay. He was, he was decent. You know, this is a very Tyrod-esque game, although Tyrod probably would have completed about 65% of these passes and he probably wouldn't have had 208 yards in this game. Again, I we got rid of Tyrod Taylor for a reason, and although Josh Allen has taken a major step forward, I really, really hope that Josh Allen continues to take the next step in the next year. We're going to really find out what he's all about in the playoffs against a very good team, against a very good defense. If he can win us a playoff game, fantastic. Uh, you know, the, the strength of this team is really the defense, but That is essentially it for the Buffalo Bills in this segment. Josh Allen needs to be better. Uh, They need to open up more spaces for Devin Singletary. And the wide receivers have to do a better job of getting off man coverage against good defenses. Essentially, that's it. The Bills go to 10-5. Next week, they play the New York Jets. They have a chance to go to 11-5 for the first time in a long time. I I haven't even looked it up. I apologize. Like I said, the last time the Bills won 10 games was 1999, so just think about the last time they possibly won 11 games. But that's going to do it for this segment. In the next segment, stick around. We're going to talk about the UB Bulls' first bowl game victory for their football team, and we're also going to talk about the last two games for the UB Bulls' men's basketball team. Stick around. The next segment's going to be fun. All right, let's jump right into segment two. We're going to talk about the UB Bulls football team. On Friday, they played in their fourth ever bowl game. This is just the fifth time they were bowl eligible. This is their third straight year being bowl eligible, of course, and their second straight bowl game appearance. This is big time for the program as in the last 20 years or so since 1999, moving up to the FBS level. The Bulls have not had a ton of success. They've had a bunch of five win seasons, but never the six win, uh, never the sixth win seasons that they really got. And under Lance Leipold, I said earlier in the season, you know, with how poorly the special teams had been, not just last year but this year, that you know, if he can't figure out some way to fix it, then he should be fired. But you know what? 
He is the most successful coach in UB history. We're talking about a guy who won six national championships at the Division III level in football. He is a good coach. Of course, he has he's had a bunch of gaffes this year, including that awful game. I believe it was against Toledo. They had the game well in hand. They should have easily been an eight, maybe even a nine-win team. But special teams was the key factor in the Bills only winning seven games. And you know what? They go to the Bahamas uh, in the Bahamakers Wanted Bahamas Bowl, I believe it's called. And they absolutely destroyed, manhandled Charlotte, the Charlotte 49ers in this game. It wasn't even close. The Bulls came out and just absolutely stomped, imposed their will on the 49ers. Again, wasn't even close. They end up winning by a score of 31-9. to the nine uh, nine points coming off, or six of the nine points coming off of a one play, a 53-yard pass in which the Bulls left a gentleman uh, wide open on the 49ers. He makes a couple of uh, a Bulls miss, poor tackling, and he goes into the end zone. But again, the Bulls essentially dominated from start to finish in this game. It was really never in doubt, honestly. Throughout the whole game, Van Trees, Kyle Van Trees, since coming in and and being named the starting quarterback of the Buffalo or Buffalo Bulls has not been tremendous but he has not lost them the games either. He has made some plays throughout the season. He had he finished the season with 8 touchdowns and 2 interceptions. Not bad. The one interception coming at the end of this game or at the end of this game at the end of the half in this game in the bowl game where they essentially throw it into the wind. They try a bomb play. It gets caught up in the wind. It gets intercepted. Not a big deal. As the Bulls were uh, getting the ball in the second half. Anyway, they figured, why not try a shot and see if maybe something can happen? So he throws the interception there. But again, he wasn't spectacular. He was actually below average. But he does what the Bulls need in order for the Bulls to win the game. With such an amazing running back that the Bulls have, Vantrese doesn't have to do a lot. And not only that, but the Bulls' offensive line is crazy good. It's crazy good. At least for a MAC team, crazy good. In this game, Kyle Vantrese was 8 of 17 for 77 yards. He threw a touchdown in that one pick that we talked about. He also had two carries, five yards, and a touchdown. He had a touchdown called back earlier where he bootlegs or he, he you know, fakes the handoff, moves out to his right, tries to get to the corner. That looks like he's not going to make it. Takes the sit or the safety or cornerback on him, sorry, head on, runs the cornerback over, but just doesn't have enough. His knee goes down with the ball at the one yard line. They end up punching it in a couple plays later with a quarterback sneak from Van Trees in that game. Again, not crazy good as but he he does enough that you know the Bulls win games. The Bulls rode their workhorse, Jared Patterson, again, of course. This kid is a future NFL draft pick. He reminds me a ton of Devin Singletary. Small school guy, small stature, you know, thick body, great vision, has the shimmy in the hole that makes guys miss, can turn a a negative play into an eight-yard positive play. He did that a couple times in this game alone, didn't rip off any huge runs, but carried the ball. 32 times for 173 yards in this game, averaged 5.4 yards a carry, and also 
had two touchdowns. One capped the game off at the end. He finished the year as the single season rush leader for the Bulls, and I don't think it was even close. He finished the year with 1,799 yards on 312 carries. He averaged 5.8 yards per carry. He had 19 rushing touchdowns. He also caught 13 passes for 206, or I'm sorry, 209 yards and also a long touchdown catch in that. He is an absolute stud. The Bulls have him for at least one more year, and he, if he plays a, another year like this, he should go into the draft. I've said it for the past two or for the past year. He is somewhere between a fourth and seventh round draft pick, but he will or should be drafted. If he's not, that is, I mean, I don't know who's evaluating talent because all you have to do is look at the game tape to see this kid's fundamentals are outrageous. He has incredible vision. I don't think that's something that you can teach. He has a little shimmy that gets guys, you know, to, to puts guys on skates. What he can also do is break a lot of arm tackles. He's sm- he, you know, he's small in stature. I think he's only about five foot nine, but he's about two hundred pounds, two hundred and five pounds. He's a big kid. He's got enough speed to break long runs. He breaks arm tackles again. He's got great vision, and he carries the ball high and tight. He doesn't fumble the ball. He is just a tremendous, tremendous player, and the Bulls are absolutely 100% lucky to have a player of his caliber on this team, especially going into next year. The Bulls also have Kevin Marks. He did not have a very good game in this one. I believe 12 carries for 27 yards or something to that effect, but he also had a very strong season rushing for over a 1,000 yards. I believe the Bulls were the only team in the country to have two 1,000-yard rushers on the season. That shows you not only how good the running backs were, but how good the offensive line was and how good the play calling was to be able to have a team know what you're going to do and still run it down their throat. They imposed their will on Charlotte in this game, as I said, and... They just beat him up from start to finish, essentially. Uh, Antonio Nunn, the wide receiver, the number one wide receiver for the Bulls, had himself a very strong game. Went up and had multiple contested catches in this game, including the first touchdown of the game on a great throw from Van Trees. Like I said, caught multiple 50-50 balls in this game and looked very, very solid doing it. The big thing was the Buffalo Bulls defense. Now, I know the Bulls scored 31 points. And in a couple of games, the other teams have scored, you know, 28 or more points. But the Bulls defense is very, very, very good. Very good. They hold the Charlotte 49ers to just nine points. They attacked the quarterback all game long, as they have been all season long. Malcolm Kuntz had two sacks. Ladarius Mack had a sack. Ed, uh, Ed Wilson had a sack. Uh, they were just, you know, Taylor Riggins was, was providing pressure all game long. Also, they just get after the quarterback. They have a lot of pass rushers on this Buffalo team, and they are returning a lot of players into next year. They sacked the quarterback five times. And the thing, here's the thing that kind of changed, I think, you know, gave the Bulls a lot of momentum in this game, was the fact that they stopped the 49ers Two separate times on fourth down. Once in the second quarter, once in the 
third quarter that really seemed to get take all the, the wind out of the sails of the 49ers. They, the 49ers, you know, moved the ball fairly efficiently, fairly well on the Bulls, but the Bulls clamped down when they needed to, of course, and they came out with a big win, their first bowl win in school history. They're bringing that trophy home with them, and that is a tremendous accomplishment. A year after they lose 11 players on offense, most of them, you know, they lose their starting quarterback. They lose their starting center. They lose essentially every one of their wide receivers, except for Antonio Nunn. They lose their starting tight end. And for them to come back and be able to put points up the way they have, granted, it was a lot of times it was grinding it out, but that is a testament to how good the players, the Bulls have on offense. Now, they probably need to be a little bit more explosive next year. Yeah, I think so. But if you think about it, this team was special teams away from being another 10-win team. Their special teams cost them against Toledo. Their special teams cost them against Miami of Ohio as they missed an extra point in overtime. This is a team that won seven ga- won eight games, I'm sorry, but could have potentially won 10 games in back-to-back years. The job that Lance Leipold has done cannot be overstated as he is building something that seems to be very special here at UB. They gave him another contract extension, which I think is a very smart and they are locking him up long-term. They want to keep him here. They want to keep him building this program and have it continue to go in a positive direction. Now, I want to talk about the UB Bulls basketball team. After a devastating loss, which I talked about in the last podcast, to Army, they got completely dominated uh, at home against an inferior team. They came out against both Canisius and Niagara. This game against Canisius, the Bulls pulled away early, uh, taking a 40-29 to 29 lead into halftime. I believe they led as many as 18 points in this game. But the Griffs were able to pull themselves, claw themselves back into this game. Something that, as a Bulls fan, leaves you a little concerned. They were like, able to get it down to uh, a four-point game. Um, but the Bulls were eventually, you know, the Bull- get it down to a four-point game. And then Devontae Jordan, the Bulls' leader, was able to knock down a three. He had a career game in this one. He had 26 points, and the Bulls won on his shoulders. He was able to pick it up on a night where their leading scorer, Javon Graves, was not having a very good night, only had about four points in this entire game. But the Bulls were able to continue to to play well in this one as they end up winning the game 82-73 at home against Canisius, a game that the Bulls should have won and did win. The Bulls' key to victory in that game was the rebounding. They dominated in this game, rebounding. They uh, won the rebounding battle 50-33. They won the offensive rebounds 21-14. The Bulls had a very solid game all around. Again, I said uh, Jordan had a career night, 26 points. Uh, Rondo Segu had a very, very strong game, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. But the big number in that one was zero turnovers. Uh, Hardnett had his best game as a bull. He had nine points and 11 rebounds. And of course, Imbala had 11 points, nine rebounds. And like I said, the Bulls dominated on the old glass in this one. And that, to me, was the, was the difference in the game. Also, moving on to the next game, the Bulls played a weak Niagara Purple Eagles team. 
and they rolled to a 92-72 victory in front of a 2,604 in front of 2,644 people. The crowd was a little light, probably about a thousand people less than normally show up to a Bulls game. Uh, the Sabers did play this afternoon. The Bills were playing this afternoon, so I'm sure a lot of people wanted to be home um, to enjoy those games. So a crowd was a little bit light today, but they, uh, you know, tough for them because they missed a very, very good game. Uh, everyone seemed to contribute in this game. It looked like the Bulls would not be stopped in any way, shape, or form. Javon Graves had a nice bounce back game. He had 22 points on 6 of 9 shooting from behind the arc. Jonathan Williams had his best game as a Bull. He had 19 points and 10 rebounds. And of course, Mbala doing what he does. He had 12 points, 3 rebounds. Gabe Grant had a very solid game. He had 12 points on 5 of 5 shooting, including 2 of 2 from behind the arc in just 15 minutes of game time, or of 15 minutes of playing time in this game. That is something that you need to see from the guys coming off the bench for the UB Bulls. Again, in this one, they they had a their largest lead was 27 points, and they cruised to a 20-point victory. In the next game, the Bulls play against St. Bonaventure at home on December 30th at 7 p.m. I don't think you're going to want to miss it. I think it's going to be a very, very good game as both teams are going to come in with a record of 8-4, and four, and their both teams are going to be looking to continue what doing and building what they have been since the start of the season. This would be a very solid victory for the Bulls at home if they were able to beat a very solid St. Bonaventure team. But that's going to do it for this episode of Sports Talk Buffalo. Thank you guys for listening. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, tell your friends, tell your family, let them know they can hear me on any of the major podcasting websites including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course right here on Anchor. If they want to follow me on Twitter to get any of my opinions about the things that are going on around sports, they can follow me at SportsTalkBuff1. And if they want to email me, they can email me, uh, SportsTalkBuffalo at Yahoo.com. Thanks again for listening. You guys have a good week.